Welcome to the Uncut Podcast. I'm Pastor Luke. And I am Pastor Peter. And this is the Uncut Podcast, where we have uncut, honest conversations about faith, life, and ministry. Um, today, we are back in the office after having kind of been out of the office for part of the week last week. Um, we were traveling. We were not in the state of New York. We were in the grand city of Chicago, mm-hmm. um, which was fun for me because I spent some time in spent a couple years in Chicago, but we were there to go to a leadership con- conference. I'd say, yeah, yeah. leadership conference. Um, they called, call it a summit, but... Yeah, it makes it sound a little yeah. more amicable. Fancy word for a conference, yeah. <laughs> but Global Leadership Summit, uh, which is a conference put on by the Global Leadership Network. Um, it's... Uh, how many years have you been like watching or participating on it? It's something we've done every year since I've been here on staff, but um, we've done it here mm-hmm. every year that I've been on staff here. So that would be eight years. Okay. So for eight years in some form, we've been watching like yeah, online. Eight, or, eight or nine years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So is this the first time you had gone in person? This was the first time that I had actually gone in person. Yeah. Usually, or for the first number of years that I had gone, including the first year that you went with us, mm-hmm. we uh, joined another church, local church, Hillcrest, um, to watch the simulcast there at yep. that location. And then I think maybe the last, well, not the last two years, but last year you guys watched it here Yep. while I was on sabbatical. Mm-hmm. And then I want to say the year before that, the year before you came, mm-hmm. we actually watched it here as well. We didn't go to Hillcrest. Okay. So we watched it here. So. Yeah. I, I've kind of like, I think, I think I've watched it online or either after the fact, um, a couple of times, but you never went when it, when you lived in Chicago. No, even though I yeah. was like a half hour away from the actual conference. Uh, I think I just, I think I just ended up watching it online. And, yeah. In Chicago, um, it was cheaper that way. Um, <laughs> even though I, you know, didn't have any travel costs. Um, right. But so yeah, so I'd, I'd watch it online and um, maybe a couple times. But it's- <laughs> well, you know, I take that back. There might have been two years. There were definitely two years where we did a church leadership conference out in California. Oh, okay. we went to Catalyst. Did that instead. I think we did that instead for two years. Catalyst, yeah. 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 But they don't do that conference anymore. They don't do that one anymore? I don't think so. I I Was Catalyst, was that the same people who were doing Exponential? Was I that the... I don't know. It Catalyst, I can't, I'm not completely sure. But I think Catalyst came out of, or maybe I'm wrong there. Like I, say, I, want, I know that North Point, Community Church and Andy Stanley was a okay. significant like player yeah. in Catalyst. Okay. But they did a Catalyst East uh-huh. at in Georgia at his church. And they did a Catalyst West in Orange County, California at Mariner's Church. Mm-hmm. And um but I don't think I don't think they do it anymore. I don't even know if I think I remember looking 
trying to look up and see when the next Catalyst conference was, and it was like you couldn't find any information about it at all. Because it was like maybe like the domains expired and everything. Yeah, but I gotta imagine if there was a conference that they would have a domain. Yeah, it was pretty big. It was a pretty big conference, right? So, so yeah, yeah. So, anyways, yeah. So this was the first year that we went. Yeah, at least that I went. Mm -hmm. Um, and the experience of sitting through something live Mm -hmm. was much better. Yeah. Than sitting through something simulcast, even yes. though Hillcrest has always done a great job hosting us. Oh, totally. Um, but yeah, just the you know the energy, both the energy in the room and mm-hmm. like my own personal energy yeah. to like sit through all those sessions mm-hmm. was much higher. Yeah. Than simulcasting it, so I thought it was a good experience, and I, it's kind of I think we all talked as a staff team towards the end about. Like <laughs> com- committing to never watching a simulcast conference again because the in person experience was so much better. Well, it, there was just like such a big shift from like um, we're not in town, and so people know we're not in town, and then people can't get a hold of us to ask us to do things or to like yeah. you know. So there's a little bit. It was a little bit easier, I think, to get some separation from the stuff that's happening here around yeah. you know around town or even just at home because we were just like okay done for the day at the conference let's go get something to eat and hang out at the hotel room right. we're not going home and doing chores or anything like that so there was even just a little bit more mental separation to kind of be more fully present with the ideas with the, the ideas concepts. yeah yeah i think the only thing that could have probably made the conference better for me is if my wife yeah. Could have been there because, mm-hmm. you know, you feel bad being away for, you know, four days, three nights. Yeah. Uh, I felt very lucky my wife was able to join yeah. us. That was mm-hmm. a, a, a big highlight because she loves that types of stu- type of stuff. Yeah. And so when our two worlds got to kind of meet like that in this kind of leadership context, it was really fun for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, yeah, it was a really, I think, you know, I... It's my favorite uh, favorite conference, I guess, I've been to. If I had to pick one, it probably would be it. Yeah. Um, but we sat through... How many speakers was that? Like, I want to say, like, there was, so there was like three, two, just five, two more, seven a day, 14 yeah. speakers. 14 speakers. Maybe 14 to 16 speakers. That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> Yeah, and I even felt bad for some of them because it seemed like some of them were just getting going, and they were like, "Oh, my time is up. We'll see you." So mm-hmm. they had a really short. Some of them had a really short window. Yeah, yeah. Well, because like at any like the the thing too is that almost almost any of those speakers could have been keynote speakers at another conference, like, well, like a singular keynote. They probably have been right. And so, like, they're used to giving, you know, coming to a conference and they're the highlight talk. And they've got, like, maybe two or three highlight talks that they maybe get to give inside right. of a day or two days. But each and every, when each and every single speaker is at that level, uh-huh. you know, like. Yeah, I think they do a good job at making, of not promoting one person as the keynote. Mm-hmm. No one's the big draw. No. Although there kind of is 
it kind of is. Like, it kind of is. Well, right. and, it, I, and maybe it depends on who you are. Right. Right. What like, kind of environment? You kind of. From. Yeah. And so, like, um, one of the the names I was more familiar with was James Clear, uh, author of Atomic Habits, who was there. Um, you know, so if you're really into his stuff and you've listened to to that, mm-hmm. like, you would be really. You know, he could end up being the draw for you. Yep. But if you're not as familiar with some of the other names, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you're in the church world, then names mm-hmm. like Craig Rochelle, right? Pretty much, yeah. One of the biggest, one of the biggest names, right? right? Well, and I feel like we end up talking about him a lot on this podcast, because we, um, yep. <laughs> we listen to his podcast and yep, uh-huh. um, interact with a lot of his content. Yep, and we stay in the same hotel as he stays in. When we- <laughs> Of the conference <laughs> unintentionally, unintentionally but um, uh, but others would be like albert tate who's a mm-hmm. pastor out in california but i i saw that he's also a teaching pastor at willow creek oh he is yeah okay um so albert tate um patrick lencioni yep who's a catholic but we love him still mm-hmm. um who else um well, there's kind of, I mean, like, that's just like the, ch- the ones that you normally see at kind of like church conferences. Church conferences, yeah. But there were also other big names. There were some other big names. Kind of Lisa Rice. Yep. She was she was a big name. She's a big name in um, the world. If, yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> they had her videoed in. There was the, um, oh, am I going to be bad and forget his name? Um, I'm blanking on it right now. The Chosen, the director. Dallas Jenkins. Dallas Jenkins of. The chosen. They had a video interview with him, which was really fascinating. Erwin McManus, another Irwin McManus. famous church guy. Um, Ryan Leak, who stood out as one of my favorites uh, from the from the conference. Um, if you, we should have got the notebook with us so that we could name specifically some of the yes. other ones. But well, then there was a lady um, last name. We'll just call her Doctor Professor Doctor. Elbers mm-hmm. from yes. Harvard. Yep, from Harvard. Really uh, enjoyed her talk. Did a fantastic job talking about just like essentially pursuing, um, not like never being complacent in the like intensity of your leadership, mm-hmm. striving for excellence, yeah, and how that can change and turn around and change organizations and yeah. Um, what would so that's kind of like a flyby and if you are interested if you're listening and or watching you're interested in leadership content you know i would really encourage you both on your social media and you go to the website and sign up for their mailing list and just kind of consume as much material as they have the global leadership network Mm -hmm. um and highly 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 recommend them you know as a as a group they're not even they're not even like specifically oriented towards church leaders, although right. many of them are. And they have a, they church have a Christian worldview that orients them a little bit, but they right. are, you know, very much just trying to get good leadership content into mm-hmm. people's hands. Right. So, what would you, after reflecting, you know, here we are um, almost a week since we've been back. Yep. Yep. What would be some of the biggest takeaways for you hmm. on the week you know like uh i think the one i think there's two that come to mind the first one that comes to mind 
is um, and, it, and this it's funny because it came out in a couple of the different uh, speakers in their talks, but um, I think James Clear said it the best, which is interesting because as much as I really liked James Clear's talk, I I knew most of it because I'd read his book. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a fantastic book, Atomic Habits. Um, but he has a concept in there. Um, I'm not going to get this exactly right, but he talks about the accumulative effect of the one percent. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I I love new things. Like as just like a individual, I love like new ideas, new concepts, starting new things, um, new technology, um, and I love finding like solutions for things. And so that kind of leads me to be disposed towards finding silver bullets at times. Mm-hmm. And it's something I know about myself that like, sometimes you just got to sit down and you got to grind a little bit. Um, but he's kind of this idea of the cumulative effect of the 1% of saying, what is, what are, I, I was kind of, as I've been thinking about it in my own life, I've been asking the question of what are the leaky faucets in my life, my personal life, my professional life, spiritual life, that are just these small little things that if I were to take care of them, it would increase like my effectiveness by even 5%. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's kind of like uh, when you've got like that to-do list of things that's like, well, you've got like, cause we've all got to-do lists and we got those things on that to-do list that kind of just sit on the back burner cause they never are urgent enough for us to take care of. But they're always like taking up brain space, taking up like emotional space. What if we were to just like tackle that? Mm. You know, um, he gave the example from. Do you remember the cycling team? Was it the British cycling team, or was it the French cycling team? It was one of the European cycling teams that participates in the Tour de France, and they were not winning <laughs> at all. They weren't doing very well. They were very mediocre. And they decided to do a bunch of really small things as a team in order to build a cumulative effect that has kind of, they kind of attribute to their winning streak that they've been having. Um, Things like figuring out which pillow the racers slept best with and then always having that pillow with them when they traveled or the truck that they transported the, uh, bicycles in painting the inside of it white so that they could make sure the trailer was sp- spot clean, you know, no dirt so that there was no dirt that would get in the gears and slow the performance of the bike. Like those really, really small things. Um, and you're like, how would that have like, that seems like so much overkill to, you know, to get so specific on something like that, but the cumulative effect of it over right. time. So yeah. that one, that's a big one for me. That's kind of sitting with me. Right. Right. And that is like, we can recognize that in like the way I like to think about that. And I, I know I've used this analogy or this example in my preaching before is we say this the same about the cumulative effect of small sin, mm-hmm. which we think is, well, it's not that big a deal. Right. It's just, it's tiny. Right. Um, so I'm not going to really stress over it too much or, you know, work to, you know, have the Lord release me or free me from that or give me, you know, victory over that because it's just a little small thing. Yep. When we get one degree, yep. just one degree off kilter or off center and you travel 
with that one degree long enough, when you get to the proverbial destination, Mm -hmm. you are 90 degrees off course. Right. right, you're very, you're yeah. very far off course. Right, like the standard like illustration is like what from New York mm-hmm. traveling to um, California, California, Seattle, yeah. or something like that, and you're off by like so many degrees, you'll end up in Los Angeles. Right. Um, yes. Which is very very far apart. <laughs> yes, very far apart. So the opposite is also true. Yeah. When you stack little degrees of mm-hmm. uh, habits or practices or fixing fixing this leaky faucet or fixing that leaky faucet yep. eventually you know you have all your water pressure back mm-hmm. um oh yeah that was that's a really that's a really good example i actually missed the first part of james's talk because i was i had gotten a phone call but um so i i, I missed the analogy i missed the story about the, the cycling teams i never kind okay. never never heard it but yeah yeah uh i think that the um you know there was some some of the same, I don't know, sentiment or mm-hmm. like leadership culture ish stuff was in um, uh, Anita. I think it's Anita. Her name, Harvard, <laughs> Doctor <laughs> Professor Doctor Elbers, um, yes. when she told the story about the F one racing team yes. she was studying. Yeah, the Mercedes, the Mercedes, the Mercedes racing team, for Formula, Formula One racing. Yeah. And how they had similar to the cycling team had was p- poor performance. Mm-hmm. They hired a new manager, yep. and he really turned around yep. the racing team. Now they're one of the most successful. And like, what were the things that he did? Yeah. And there were all kinds of things that he did that were seemingly periphery mm-hmm. to actual racing. One of the major examples that she gave was that at the racing headquarters, mm-hmm. yep. he hired a custodian. Yeah. And on the day that he hired the custodian, he took them, he took the custodian into the bathroom. Yep. And he spent, I don't like, this is hard for me to even fathom whether <laughs> right. this is a hyperbole yeah, or, or not. Yeah. Supposedly, he spent eight hours with the custodian showing him how he expected the bathroom to look how he wanted the bathroom to be cleaned mm-hmm. um and like trained him on like some one person goes into the bathroom you go back in after them and you clean up immediately after that yes like, make sure it's perfect all the time yeah, yeah yeah and so it did a few things one it showed it made the employee, the custodian, mm-hmm. Miguel, I think was his name was. Yeah. I think it 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 told Miguel how important his job was. Yeah. Like he the the manager like built up the importance of a job that a lot of people would think is a menial job. Mm-hmm. But that he felt was like every little bit of I think it was more about not necessarily the way the bathroom looked mm-hmm. as it was developing a culture of not accepting anything other than the very best in everything that happens yeah. and everything that we do. It's very much about culture. It's not about the bathroom. It's about the culture. It's about the culture. It's mm-hmm. about the culture that expects things to be well done 
and excellent and taken care of and mm-hmm. the details looked after the t's dotted and the t's dotted <laughs> and the i's crossed yep. <laughs> uh, you know what i mean and so she talked a lot about that but then dallas jenkins yes the director of the chosen used a phrase that really stuck with me and that i'm really wanting to implement here mm-hmm. or just in my life in general is about he said he said it in he said sanding the underside of the drawer yeah because they were talking about building the set on which they film the chosen right and like the amount of detail they've put into building that set and he was like we've essentially we've sanded the underside of the drawers there's we've put effort into details that will never ever be on camera or you will never be able to see or notice right because it was about the culture of the thing that they were doing yeah it was about creating this culture of um attention to detail Mm -hmm. and the cumulative attention to detail over time creating significant results yeah um and so like we've been talking about it as it pertains to our even the building that we have this ministry in conduit is in and we have we have like the front faces of our drawers that aren't sanded <laughs> in some places. So right. We're being vulnerable today. Right. Um. <laughs> yeah. So we have like the things that people use every day that aren't sanded. Yeah. So right. beginning to shift that culture, not because we desire to be overly materialistic or focus right. on the things that aren't important, but because of if we don't care about the things that are small and menial, like the cleanliness of the bathroom, Mm -hmm. it does begin to create questions around like, well, what do like, do you have the wherewithal to care about the big things? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think someone on our leadership team here, I kind of a few weeks ago asked a question about like, um, are we aware of how we are stewarding all the things that we have? Mm hmm. Like there was a, a situation that came up. It was clear that we had kind of missed something administratively years ago. And it led to the question of like, okay, what else has God entrusted us with that we are not taking stock of taking stock of stewarding? Yeah. And it's, it's not a, I feel like it would be really easy, not easy, but like it, it's not like, you know, I think one of the things that like has drawn me to conduit and like I really appreciate appreciate is that like the authenticity mm-hmm. that we have at the core of a lot of our culture. Um, we, you know, we've very much prioritized like let's let's be authentic, let's be real, let's be like genuine. Um, and so sometimes we've, you know, um, we're I don't think we're in danger of being a whitewashed tomb. I don't think so. Yeah. No. And so, but it is. There always is the danger, but I don't think we are. Sure. So. And so I don't think, um, you know, it's not an effort to maybe clean things up because of, um, to, to create an appearance, to create like a falseness. Mm-hmm. It's just a, like, because it's, you know, uh, you know, I feel this and think about this in like our own, uh, in like my workspace, 
right? We were talking about like how good it feels to sit down at a desk that's clear of clutter of like, if I have like all these papers and things that like I haven't dealt with and like maybe it's a paper from a couple months ago or from a week ago and I'm done with it and I just haven't gotten it off my desk yet. Like I sit down and I'm feeling like the stress of just all the stuff on my desk or for you, maybe it's like uh, the entryway to your home. If you're walking into your entryway, you've got like a mudroom mm-hmm. and your mudroom is just where everything gets tossed. <laughs> Why don't you just hashtag me? <laughs> just, just at, just at me, Luke, well, right now. Okay. Me too. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, there, there are like, a bunch of shoes you, as you come into our apartment. <laughs> there's like, a bunch of everything when you come into my house. So, and you're just like, and like, if that's the first thing that hits you when you come in, like, how does that impact you? Like when you're coming home and you're like, ah, do I feel good to be home? Or do you like, uh, these stuff, like everything, yeah. like, you know, and so it's, it's asking those yeah. questions of like, how does that impact uh, people who come on a Sunday morning? Cause we, we often say on Sunday mornings, we say, welcome home, right? We desire conduit to be a place that people can find to be a relational spiritual home. Um, but if you're coming into the, our into your home, into a place that we want you to feel like home. And it's not taken care of physically in a place and it doesn't help you feel invited. We're, we're, there's an unnecessary obstacle there to that goal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and all of that is, um, well, I don't know if it's all connected to it, but there was an interesting, an interesting um, activity that Craig Groeschel did at the end of his talk which was the first talk yeah and you've you've heard us fanboy yeah over craig um and a, I, it's, a lot it's over the last funny time. because like uh, i've like i've listened to the gls a couple of times yeah. and he's he's almost he's always the first speaker because he's kind of the public face for it he does a lot of promotion for it over the course of the year um and usually you don't put your strongest speaker at the first part, mm-hmm. but almost every year I walk out saying, I don't know. His talk was still probably the best. Yeah. Like I yep. walk out hearing his first talk and I'm just like, well, it was worth the price of coming here. Yep. You know? Yeah. He did a talk at the beginning about how to develop trust mm-hmm. as a leader. How do we develop trust? Cause if, we are in an maybe we are in an era where people are having a difficult time trusting leaders. Mm-hmm. So, what are the things that develop trust? And he had three main things that he thought developed trust. Yep. Number one, transparency. Yeah. Can you be transparent? And well, I, I should back up. And he said, "I'm going to tell you my three things, and then at the end, I'm going to ask you to stand up." Yes to identify which of these three things you need to work on most in your leadership journey, right? Mm -hmm. So the first was transparency. Yeah. You know, and that goes down, that went down from just like being personally vulnerable to being able to clearly communicate the things of your organization or your church or whatever, like make sure you're you're communicating because whatever people aren't up on, they're down on. Yeah, you know, um, and there was a little bit in that transparency thing, more from like I think a well, there's person, there's personal transparency that needs to be like 
that I need certainly need to do better at mm-hmm. be more vulnerable with my team when I don't know what to do or when I don't have the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, or whatever, but yeah. like be more transparent. Right? right. Yeah. Um, and then it was the second was empathy. Mm hmm. So that the old adage, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yep. Um, and, you know, having a, a kind of a people-centered view of leadership. Mm-hmm. And I felt really good when he was talking about empathy because I was like, I, I mean, like, I don't, I don't know what the last one is, but I know empathy is not the main leadership issue here <laughs> at Conduit. Like, yeah. We're very, we're a very empathetic team. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes so empathetic that we end up like... <laughs> absorbing the other's issues. Yep. Right. Yep, yep. Um, we care deeply. We care deeply. Um, and then the third was <laughs> consistency. Mm-hmm. Uh, so leaders need to be transparent. They need to be empathetic and they need to be consistent. Yep. It's not about what you do once. It's about what you do all the time. Yes. Right. Um, yeah. Good leaders do consistently what all others only do occasionally. Yep. Which was his motto. And he talked a little bit more about consistency and he was like, okay, stand up for transparency. Yep. None of our team stand up, stood up. No. Nope. Right. Okay. Stand up for empathy. None of our team stood up. Right. Okay. Stand up for creating, you know, like consistency and our whole team stood up. All of us. Yep. Which I knew that was definitely for me mm-hmm. and that, you know, I was going to, but I was surprised that our whole, that it was the thing for our whole team. Yeah. So it was revealing to me and interesting to me. And I'm, I'm um, eager to develop that as a team. And I, I think probably one of the things that is, one of the things that is most, I want to say difficult for me post something like GLS mm-hmm. is there's times where you, where you get really encouraged for sure. Yep. Um, but there's also times where you come away just being really challenged about the um, deficiencies in your leadership, or at least I came, yep. came away being really, really challenged about the deficiencies in my leadership, mm-hmm. trying not to be discouraged about them. Yeah. But a little bit of discouragement there. Um, but then coming back into the into the fray, into the grind, into the grind, mm-hmm. and trying to wrestle with okay, how much of this do I need to do all at once? Mm-hmm. And does it show a lack of? Does it show a lack of like? awareness of my deficiencies if i don't tackle everything at once do i need to tell everyone as a leader okay here are the things that i want to work on over the next year Mm -hmm. or do i just take them like one by one or do i take the whole list of things that i feel like god really asking me to work on do i prioritize them and rank them and then just kind of like click them off or um and so I come away from like GLS and other other times like that feeling having a little bit more clarity. 
um, having a little bit more discouragement, <laughs> having a little bit more encouragement, yeah, simultaneously, but also wondering, kind of, okay, how do I begin to tackle the deficiencies in a healthy way, mm-hmm. and how do I know when's the right time to to move from deficiency number one to deficiency number two. Yeah. You know, and, and how do, how do the people that I lead perceive me as I'm leading through that, which was another question that just like, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh my gosh. It was a question from, was it Ryan it Leak? Ryan Leak. He at, I'm reading his book, leveling up your leadership, which is great. Yeah. And he asked the question. Mm-hmm. He encouraged us to ask the question. Um, what's it like to be on the other side of you? Yeah. You're like, that's a great question. It's a fantastic question. I don't want anyone to actually answer it because I'm afraid of what I might hear, you know? Yeah. Um, cause I have a sense of what, what it's probably like to be on the other side of me. <laughs> and I don't really like it. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, it just so it lends to that. Craig, if you're out there listening, since you're the leadership goat, um, <laughs> do a leadership podcast on how to process through mm-hmm. a thing like GLS where you have maybe 10 things that you want to integrate into your leadership. Yeah. How do you do that in a way that keeps you not feeling absolutely drowned or paralyzed yeah. in the immensity of the tasks that are before you. Yeah. How, how do we run a marathon, not a sprint, which is what you said to me, Mr. Leadership guy, when I came here on staff, hmm. um, I don't know if you remember, I remember this very, very keenly because it, it, it was for me a con- confirmation that I had ended up at the right place. I think it was within the first couple of months of being here on staff and I was still kind of figuring out the ropes. I was mm-hmm. like, what does it mean to be on staff here? What are the things I'm supposed to be doing? And I came to you and I was like, Cameron, I, I just like want to do ministry. I just want to do more. Like I was just like coming. Mm-hmm. I was like, what's, what do you want me to do? I was like offering to start like five ministries at once. Yeah. And you were just like, take care of yourself. And like, just hold on. Like you'll, you'll get there. You'll be doing plenty mm-hmm. soon enough. And you're like, we're doing a, a marathon, not a sprint. And I was just like, wow, he's right. And partly, and I was just amazed. Cause I, I don't know if, a, I don't know. There, there's not very many pastors when you have people come to them and say, I want to do more that the pastor says, don't do more. Mm-hmm. You know, we're constantly, you know, we feel like there's so much to do, you know? Um, yeah. But that's been in my mind, even today, earlier today, I was like sitting and going through my list of things. And I was like, Ooh, how do I not get burned out trying to make all of these big changes at once? How do I just like slowly tick away at the things that like I can, I can knock off my list. Sustainable pace. A sustainable pace. 26.4 miles, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely resonating with that question of like, how do I, how do I affect long-term change? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, yeah, I don't know if anyone's listening and you got a solution to yeah. it, but, um, Eugene Peterson has a book 
titled Long Obedience in the same direction. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like what I want my, like, maybe it's an oversimplification, my leadership or pastoral journey to be when I'm like dead and gone. Mm-hmm. When people don't remember my name anymore. They like, it was a long obedience in the same direction. It wasn't flashy. It wasn't, you know, like, of course, I think every leader and every pastor wants to change the world, and I do. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't like charismatically world changing. Mm-hmm. I just want it to be, I want, I want my kids to be able to be like, my dad served the Lord and served the church and loved his family for 50 years or however long I'm a pastor Mm -hmm. and did so without like the, the need for, or the actual presence of the accolades of men, Mm -hmm. long obedience, same direction. Yeah. Mm, When you say that, that makes me think of like, um, makes me think of a couple of things, but one of the things is that like when it, there's this principle that uh, I'm sure somebody smarter than me has got a name for it, but there seems to be this principle in life of like the thing that we chase is the thing that we uh, have probably like the hardest time getting and holding on to. But then when we finally come to a place where that is not the thing that we must have, is when we find that we have the that thing in abundance. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want to chase the accolades of men, you won't get them, or you won't ever be satisfied by them when by you them. get them. Yeah. But if you're willing to pursue like the will of God mm-hmm. and to be faithful and to take the opportunities that are in front of you, you very well might find yourself up with the accolades of men but very unconcerned that you now do have them. Right. Right. Yeah. It's similar to what Jesus said to the, to the disciples about the Pharisees public prayers. Mm. Yeah. They say really, you know, intricate prayers out in the public street Mm -hmm. or out on the street corner to get the praise of men. They have it. That is their reward. Right. Or maybe maybe he says that about their giving or their tithing or something. Like that. I think it's I think there's two there's yeah. praying the tithing right. the fasting yeah. you the know. same thing you yeah. know like you you have a big huge outward display of your personal righteousness and people think you are just an amazing man of God because of it mm-hmm. that is the reward you receive you receive the praises of men yeah. as a reward but not the praises of the Lord you don't mm-hmm. re- you don't receive that so um yeah I. Um, I think you're you're spot on there mm-hmm. uh, about what the what your heart wants and desires and when it gets it how does it you know like the way the reason for which you re you you ran after it will mm-hmm. determine how you feel when you actually right. get it right because uh, I'm always this is this is like a little thing I always I I throw in but like it's a um, we're we're limited in every single capacity of ourselves as humans, right? Except for what we desire, 
We always want more. We always want another good meal. We always want another good experience. We always want more affirmation. If if you're someone who like, if you've ever dealt with like uh, chasing approval or ch- chasing the opinions or people li- people pleasing, you know that like yeah, you're one bad comment away from spiraling over your self worth. Right? We always want more of something. Our desires, our heart is the one thing about ourselves that is infinite. And that points to the fact that we were meant to fill ourselves not with finite things, but something infinite. And there is Mm -hmm. only one infinite thing, and that's God, right? It's Christ. It's, um, you know, uh, was it Blaise Pascal that said that idea and the concept of a God-shaped hole Mm -hmm. inside of our souls? Um, only one thing can fill it. And so if we're chasing accolades, we're chasing success, we get those things. Those things are, are only temporary. It will feel really good in the moment, but give it a little bit and it will start to leak out mm-hmm. and we will find we're still wanting something. Mm-hmm. We just don't know what. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, Do we call that? I think we can call it. Okay. Yeah. So thank you everyone for listening, mm-hmm. for, um, you know, listening in on this conversation. Uh, let us know your thoughts, your comments, your questions, mm-hmm. things that sparked things for you or places you'd want to hear us go. Um, yeah. We might return to some of these as we kind of think and process them more over the coming weeks and Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to try and continue to be consistent here on the podcast. Uh, it's mm-hmm. one place we can practice that rule. Right. Um, if you want to send us a comment or a question, you can do through that through leaving any on where on the comments, but also through our text line. Uh, Cameron, do you remember our text line? Seven one six two six seven zero one five seven. Oh wow! Um, Well, that's it, folks. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time on the Uncut Podcast.